Misinformation is really the the issue of our generation and how we're going to use our technology strategies, our business strategies, our uh, revenue strategies to address it will be really important as the consumer is in the driver's seat more and more in healthcare. Welcome to Conversations in Care, a special series of the next big thing in health where we come together to have honest and heartfelt conversations about the defining issues in healthcare. I'm your host, Robert Trainum, Executive Vice President here at AHIP. If you'd like to watch the video episode of our discussion, head to YouTube and search for AHIP coverage or check the show notes for links. Come on in. I'm here with Dr. Geetha Nayar, commonly known as Dr. G formerly the Chief Medical Officer at Salesforce. Dr. G is also a nationally recognized leader in health information technology, advisor, and board member to numerous organizations, and an esteemed author. Our conversation will examine the myths and disinformation in healthcare discussions online, and how to educate and empower people to know where to get the right information. Hey, Dr. G. Hey, Robert. How are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you, more importantly? I'm doing well. It was a long flight from Miami to Portland. I will tell you, I'm a little bit tired. A little tired? But you got to hydrate, right? And do some stretching on the plane and all that other good stuff? That's what they say. That's what they say. Yeah, come on, you're a doctor. <laughs> you're, supposed to, you're supposed to tell me this stuff. We are the worst patients. I think you should know I, this right now. But, you know, my sister um, is married to an OBGYN, and her wife is arguably the most horrible, horrible patient. I mean, it's it's bad. It's bad. My so my husband's a urogynecologist. Uh-huh. He was actually literally having an asthma attack before I left, and I had to just remind him that he was a bladder doctor and everything above the waist was my territory. And I'm like, <laughs> you need an nebulizer yep. and you need it now. And he's like, don't be the boss of me. And I'm like, I am the boss of you. <laughs> so we why can we before we talk about um, an icebreaker? Why do you think? Healthcare professionals, particularly doctors, are sometimes some of the worst patients. You know, I think like everything, when you're so in the weeds, it's hard to pick your head up yeah. and, and see the forest and realize what's going on. And and there is kind of a distancing that happens, yeah. at least with physicians in particular, because the only way you can get through patient care sometimes is to have like a beat, a beat yeah. between you and whatever's going on. Otherwise, yeah. you can get very emotional and overwhelmed. There is an old saying that the painter's house needs to be painted, the plumber's house needs new plumbing. I mean, there's something there. There's there's no question about it. It's true. And I think when it comes to our own health or our, our loved one's health, you're just too close to it. Yeah. You, you can't see it. And sometimes it takes that that fresh pair of eyes that's, that is a beat away to, to actually, you know, speak reality and truth, so. I'm gonna be a little personal for a second. Um, what gets you up in the morning? What motivates you? What's, uh, what's your sunrise? You know, I would have to say my daughter, my 11-year-old daughter, literally wakes me up, especially because it's summer, so she's home, and it's a bit tar- hard to manage being home with an 11-year-old and working. But it's really, you know, what I think has always motivated me my whole career, which is science and medicine and people and making an impact. You know, my dad is an 80-year-old ICU physician who goes to the hospital every day and rounds in the unit, work through COVID, and he has always inspired me to just make every minute count and whatever happens, happens. But you only get 100 years if we're lucky, yeah. and you wanna make it count. So I, I approach every day as let's make this one count. Thanks for sharing, appreciate it. So you are an MD, you alluded to obviously being a, a physician. But there's another thing about you that I find fascinating, and that is technology and misinformation specifically. And look, listen, my bias with this is is that we are living through unbelievable transformational change. I mean, if you think about 
where we are, where we're literally having a conversation around a cure for AIDS, that's realistic, where we are literally having a conversation around um, how telemedicine and technology can predict accurately uh, where we go next. Um, and we had this thing called the pandemic where technology really was at the forefront at everything that we did. But there was a lot of misinformation there, right? There was a lot of stuff that was good and the bad. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the good first with the misinformation. So look, we're living in an era, like you said, that is unprecedented. Now we're post-pandemic, and we have a lot of things we didn't have before. Number yeah. one, we have telemedicine that has exploded and is now considered kind of mainstay treatment. We have social media that we have realized has good parts and bad parts and maybe some ugly parts. We're probably gonna learn the same thing about artificial intelligence. But we also have a consumer that I think has been reminded how important their health is and is really interested in being health literate and is really interested in saying, how do I not lose everything I learned during COVID, but actually just pay it forward? Yeah. And so I think that's what's really inspiring about the moment we're in is that we have a chance to get smart and we have a chance to make that our call to action, whether we're the CEO of a hospital, a payer, um, a, a consumer company, which who, who we keep seeing enter the market, retailers. Misinformation is really the, the issue of our generation and how we're gonna use our technology strategies, our business strategies, our uh, revenue strategies to address it will be really important as the consumer is in the driver's seat more and more in healthcare. You know, in many ways, it's empowering. It's very much empowering to give that consumer, literally in the palm of their hands, a choice around how they navigate healthcare. All right, Dr. G, um, bear with me here with this analogy, but there are some folks out there that believe what they believe, and they will say, look, I have a constitutional right to say what I think. I think Elvis is alive. I think the world is flat, and I'm gonna create a group around that and that kind of creates this ecosystem of an alternative reality. What do you say to those people that says, listen, your misinformation can be my fact and vice versa? So health literacy is certainly not a question of the Constitution and free speech. I, I believe in the Constitution, believe in free speech. The difference is when we talk about misinformation, there's also disinformation, right? Which is when you are purposely trying to manipulate others by algorithms, for example, by pretending or pre presenting yourself as a physician or a healthcare professional when you are in fact John Doe or Jane Doe. So I think it's important that it's, it's not a question of free speech, but it's more how do we educate the consumer to know where to go for health information? What is fact versus what is rumor? And that I think is the fundamental key in so much of what we saw during COVID-19. And here's the thing, consumers are thirsty for that information. They want, nobody wakes up and says, well, I'm gonna go on Google because I wanna be the fool today, right. right? They're going on different websites, different social media sites to get information that's because right. we've made access to healthcare so difficult. And I think that's important, Dr. G, just to interject, their intent is I wanna get better, I'm trying to seek an answer to my problem. I think your point is, but the answer needs to be sound and factually accurate. That's right. And when we think about what we're doing here at AHIP, when we think about value-based care, when we think about decreasing the cost in the system and elevating the value and the quality, it is so critical that we have educated and empowered consumers. That's where we fall off of everything. Because when a consumer, when a patient comes in and has read something, has a question about something, wants to know the answer to a side effect or a dosing, a dosing question, those patients do better. 
they do better because they're engaged, they come in, they want to have an intelligent, informed conversation with their physician, and I want that as a physician. So we as an industry, as healthcare leaders, have to make that easier, whether it's it's part of your digital transformation strategy, whether it's harnessing the good in social media, giving your physicians and your organization a voice. I, you know, we have one Surgeon General, I say we have a Surgeon General in every zip code. Why are we not deploying all of our physicians? Because healthcare remains local. And making it easily and accessible and scaling communication in a way that draws patients into the hospital when they're needed or into the clinic when that's the place or in the comfort of their own home with, with telemedicine. But how do you educate the consumer make access easier and build that trust because ultimately this is about trust. People yeah. go to the wrong social media site or follow sort of the wrong leader because they're so thirsty for the access. And why don't we make that access more achievable and relatable with our healthcare leadership? Speaking of education, leadership, and access, you have a book coming out uh, in a couple of uh, very soon. It's called Dead Wrong. Tell us more about it. Sure. So, you know, Dead Wrong really is what inspired me during COVID. It's not a COVID book, but I was really struck by the fact that so much of the, the mortality and morbidity we were seeing during COVID was because people were misinformed or disinformed. And you mentioned AIDS earlier. You know, I trained in DC. I trained at George Washington during some of the heights of the HIV epidemic. And I saw so many parallels to HIV AIDS that I saw with COVID-19. In other words, this is a universal chronic issue in healthcare. And so how do we take that call to action and I really lay it out in Dead Wrong. I lay out the, the issue, the landscape, the strategies you need to implore as a healthcare leader, wherever you are in that ecosystem, payer, provider, retailer, CEO, CFO, it doesn't matter. It all goes back to building trust with your consumer and your patient. And how do you become the source of truth so that they do know who to go to? and they can have better health outcomes, health outcomes and prevention. So much of being educated and informed leads to prevention yeah. and all the things we talk about with value-based care. I believe firmly that building trust, you also have to have a relationship. And in that relationship, there you have to over-communicate. It's, it's, a, it's a job, you have to work at this. Assuming that I'm right, Dr. G, how do you do that from your perspective? How do you develop that level of trust and that level of authenticity, that relationship where I can say, I'm struggling with this, Dr. G. What do you think? Or Dr. G, I actually think you might not be informed on this. Here are my points of view. In other words, there is this level of trust back and forth. How do you establish that from your perspective? You know, I think we do it every day in healthcare, but we're doing it in pockets, Okay. right? Mary J. Blige actually came out when she had her breast cancer diagnosis and, and said, I didn't know about mammograms. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what a mammogram was. Why is that? Why is it that we couldn't reach Mary J. Blige, who has resources and intelligent people all around her? We have to start not having these conversations in pockets, but instead scaling them. Figuring out, number one, how do you scale the message, whether it's te your texting strategy, your EHR strategy, your AI strategy, your telemedicine strategies. There are ways to reach the consumer where they're at and scale the conversations that are happening in pockets. And then there are ways to partner in our communities to reach the underserved, the black and brown communities that we know are most affected by mis and disinformation. And there is a way to partner. You know, one, one of the things I saw during COVID was Matthew McConaughey did a LinkedIn Live, a, sorry, an Instagram Live with Dr. Fauci. And I love seeing a celebrity who did not try to be the expert, but instead partnered with an expert to say, hey, 
I don't know about this virus and I don't understand how to prevent it. And do I really need a mask? That feels wrong to me. And having that conversation in a non-healthcare environment, but, a way, but in a way that was reachable, accessible, and palatable in simple language. And so it's really a question of how do we scale and make it part of every part of our strategy. Again, wherever we sit as healthcare leaders, it has to be on your digital transformation strategy. It has to be on your patient acquisition and retention strategy. And it has to be how you build brand loyalty. Health insurance providers, they clearly play a unique role here in many ways in terms of the connective tissue, in terms of perhaps maybe being the foundation of a relationship, how else can they, we, step up? That's a great question. So look, ultimately the consumer, the patient, still trusts their physician, right? It's not unconditional, it's not a universal trust, but the one person survey after survey has shown us is that patients and consumers trust their physician. So insurance companies need to partner with their physicians. They've gotta find a way to make prior authorizations easier. They've gotta find a way to practice that makes it easier. They've gotta find a way to help providers and patients communicate and get good information out there, combat misinformation and disinformation, whether it's social media, whether it's AI, whether it's part of the EHR strategy or patient engagement strategies. Insurance players can, pay, can play that really, really amazing role in that connective tissue to come out as the partner of the physician that is part of their network. And, and really empower and, and make that relationship one that makes the patient want to come back and stick with their insurance provider and say they were there for me when I most needed them. I love this conversation. And for the folks that are on their smart device or watching this at home, they're probably thinking, this is great. I, I, I love this conversation, but I'm not sure what the next step is for me as a consumer and or the next best, the next step for maybe the physician out there. So that's two-part question. For the consumer, they're probably thinking, okay, what do I do next? Do I have this conversation with my doctor? What would you say? I would say absolutely have a conversation with your doctor in person or virtually. You know, one of the things I tell my patients all the time is when they do have a set of questions or Google has informed them before I've had a chance, I tell them the sites that I think they should go to. The Lupus Foundation, the Arthritis Foundation. So your doctor will be more than happy to say, hey, here are some great places to read and by all means come back with your questions. And when you leave the examining room, also pressing the folks in your organization to say, how do patients get in touch with me easily? I see. So when they have the question, we can extend that conversation beyond just the four walls of the clinic. And where and when possible to have that amplification of your message, whether it's a blog, a social media post, that's critical. I also think there's a space here for pharma and med device. If we think about how doctors get informed, so much of the research is done by pharma companies and, and med device companies. Now, no one's ever gonna trust their pharma or med device company, but how do you empower your KOLs if you are a pharma or med device company to take the actual factual information that make it attainable and reachable to the consumers. So there are many ways to, to start, but definitely starting with your own physician is one. And two, I would say buy the book. Buy the book, yeah. read about it, um, pass it on. I'm open to feedback. And, and look, this will be the issue of our generation, particularly as we think about AI and where that's going to play. Let's talk about that next. So there is some good, bad, and the ugly with AI, right? I think we kind of know that intuitively. What are some guardrails that you would like to see in place for the folks out there that are thinking about the algorithm feed, when it comes to privacy, when it comes to data controls. Um, there is a really, really big conversation going on, Dr. G, as you know, is that whose data is it? 
is my personal data my data and does um, software companies have the right to sell it or is it quite frankly not my data um, it's really um, these little pieces that perhaps the software companies really own and I don't know the answer to that but I think that's part of the conversation for sure. So look, first of all, I am incredibly excited by artificial intelligence. If we think of the opportunities uh, available to us in this next generation of healthcare, it's outstanding to think about the things we can do. But we want to start with the low-hanging fruit and the problems of today. And the problems of today lead back to the physician shortage, the nursing shortage, burnout, pajama time. Right now we have doctors and nurses that are burnt out because half the time is spent on paperwork and documentation. So how can AI alleviate that, right? That's that's low-hanging fruit. We immediately hit that issue. We have made a huge dent in the number one issue every CEO is dealing with. Number two, how do you think about augmenting and complementing clinical decision support, diagnostics and therapeutics? Not to replace the physician, not to replace the nurse, but to augment and complement. The example I often give is a self-driving car, right? Sounds really cool, would be really nice to be dro dro drove around by a robot, or maybe not still feel better if there was someone in that front seat, particularly if my daughter's in the car, right? So we have to think about medicine the same way. It is ultimately life and death. Great idea to complement and have those, those safety regulations and features, but ultimately we still need the human factor in healthcare, and I think we always will. No one is coming and booking an appointment to see the coolest or latest robot. They're still coming to see the doctor, and they want to know the doctor has the best tools available to them. And those tools are being used with their own data, privacy, and HIPAA in mind. We talked about what wakes you up in the morning, your daughter. Uh, I'm curious to know what keeps you up at night when it comes to AI, when it comes to privacy. Is there anything that you're like, you know what, this worries me. This is something that I really think we're not having a conversation about, and all the reason why we should read dead wrong, but is there something that you would like to impart with our audience about what keeps you up? I think it's important to realize that we're still learning, right? So we have this really powerful tool that we didn't have before, and we need to take the time to understand it. We have to be careful when we think about words like hallucinations, just, just the idea of a hallucination. It's like a dream, right? And you believe it to be real when in fact it's not. So imagine me seeing a physician and seeing something served up to me by an AI tool that I believe to be real and factual, and I make a clinical decision based on that. I could kill someone. Right? So being really mindful of understanding the tools available to us, no different than a stethoscope, an MRI, a CT scan. We always take all these data points and tools, but ultimately we are the builders and we make the final call with our patients when we're making a, a life and death choice. The next big thing in health is, according to Dr. G? It is absolutely going to all lead back to AI. Whether we're talking about misinformation, disinformation, diagnose, diagnostics, therapeutics, I think there is ample opportunity to alleviate the physician workforce and burnout issue with AI, but we just have to be mindful of the problems we're solving and that we go, f and we go about it in a crawl, walk, run approach. So to that point, I'm gonna run, not walk, to pick up my next, the next copy of Dead Wrong, and that's gonna be available this fall and it's gonna be available in bookstores, on other devices as well? You got it, everywhere you can find it, October 17th is, is the drop date. All right, and the title once again is called Dead Wrong. You got it. Dr. G, thank you very much for joining us, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Robert.